Hello and welcome back to another episode of Talks with Trav. I am your host, Travis Diamond. In each episode, as you know, we dive into different areas of life, having real conversations about things most of us never get to have, um, offering real tips and stories that help improve the quality of your life and the life of those around you. Uh, today is a special episode. I am going to be talking about something that I really talk about all the time in all of my episodes, but I'm going to get specific. I'm going to share some of them with you. I'm talking about uh, your core values, what they are, why they matter, why you should have them, how you can get them, how you can determine which ones you want to embody. Uh, but first, I do want to take a moment and ask a big ask of you, my listeners. If you are someone who listens to this podcast and you find value in what I share, what I say, what I talk about, then I ask three things. Very simple. Um, if you can leave a review on your listening platform, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, however you listen to it, just leave a review. Um, and I'm not asking for a five-star review unless you feel it's worthy of that. I'm asking for an honest review. Uh, the better the reviews are, the higher up in the algorithm and rankings that I go based on the keyword searches that people may search for, allowing me to grow my podcast platform and expand to different listeners that typically would not see me. Um, so that's the first thing I ask. The second thing I ask is, if again, if you find value in it, don't do it just because, but I want you to do it from a sincere place, because if you find value in it, then I want you to share this with someone who may also find value in it or needs to hear this. Any of my episodes, all of my episodes, I appreciate it. Just share it on your platform. Tag people in the comments if you see it on one of my posts that I, where I'm talking about the podcast being there. And the third thing I ask is if you are someone who listens to my podcast and you are also on social media, um, anytime that I share a post talking about it, just give it a like, a thumbs up, a heart. Uh, just engage with it and interact with it because, again, the more engagement that I get on my post, the further the algorithm, or the more the algorithm likes me and the further my reach can go. Um, I don't pay for my podcast to be published anywhere. It's free. Um, I don't have any of those paid advertisement um, things. So the only way my podcast grows is organically through word of mouth advertisement from viewers like you, people who listen to it and enjoy the podcast. So if you're someone also, if you're someone on YouTube that's watching, go ahead, subscribe to my channel, Talks with Trav, greatly appreciated. Um, I'm working on developing my editing skills so the videos will soon be more than just me talking into a microphone. And then, yeah, just share the videos, share the, the podcast, like, subscribe, all of that stuff, because the more interaction that I have on my posts and on my channels and platforms, the wider my reach goes. So thank you all for everything you've helped me with so far. I've really, I'm blown away by the amount of people that I've gotten to just kind of reach out to me and send me words of encouragement. And the reach itself, like I, I knew that there would be people local that would listen to it, family, friends, things like that. But, I mean, the fact that I'm essentially an international podcaster right now is, is pretty surreal to me. So thank you for that. I very much appreciate you giving me your time to, to listen to what I have to say. And I always appreciate feedback. So if there's anything that you want me to talk about or if there's anything that I may have touched on but I didn't go in deep enough or maybe you have some questions, you're always welcome to reach out to me. I don't have a million viewers, so it's not a big deal if, if you know, some of you have questions that want to talk to me. I, I would appreciate that. And, you know, I'm all about that dialogue, especially when it comes to self-improvement and personal growth. So thank you again, and I appreciate it. Now, with that being said, I want to go ahead and dive straight into today's content. Uh, it is going to be based around your core value. Now, your values essentially are the things that are important to you, the characteristics, the actions, the things that you embody and personify in your daily life, your day-to-day -day actions, your interactions with others, your interactions with yourself. 
And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, while I believe that having certain core values and values that you follow is imperative to living a good life on a consistent basis, um, it's also something that I believe that most of us lack. And I'm not saying people are valueless or immoral or morally corrupt or bankrupt. I'm just saying that I don't think too many of us have actually sat down and said, who am I? What characteristics do I want to embody? How do I want to interact with people? How, how do I live my life? What, in what ways do I live my life for good? How, how do I make differences in the world? And it doesn't have to be Sam Walton creating Walmart making a difference like that or Elon Musk creating Tesla or creating SpaceX to go to Mars. Nothing crazy like that, but you would be surprised how a simple, hey, hello, how you doing to a stranger can impact people's lives. I read this article once, and I, I, truth be told, I don't know if there was any validity to it. I didn't see any s- studies showing it or anything like that. But I read this article that was talking about that this guy said he had interviewed X number of suicide survivors, people who had attempted suicide, but they did not complete the objective. They failed in committing suicide, and they lived. And... I want to say it was like 500. It was it was a pretty big big number. And one of the questions that this person asked the survivors was, "What is one thing that would have stopped you from attempting suicide?" And in a roundabout way, almost all of them said something to the effect of just one person caring, just one person showing me they care, and stopping and saying, "Hey, how you doing?" You all right? Can I do anything for you? Like, and it's not about like going out of your way and helping people change their lives and things like that. But a simple wave and a hello and a smile goes a long ways. Um, and when I read that, I was really taken aback because that's not something that you would typically think about. Something to that effect. How, how you doing? So just a smile. Hey, friend. Have a good day. That that would have stopped them. And from that point on, I just kind of made it a point to every time I locked eyes with a stranger or walked past a stranger. No, I'm, let me let me finish my thought. Every time I would walk past a stranger or lock eyes with a stranger or just kind of look in the same direction as one another, I would nod and say, hey, how you doing? Have a good day, something like that. Something to those effect, that effect, right? And I'm not saying being in the mall or in Walmart, saying that to every single person that walks by you, that's exhausting. But, you know, let's be real. Sometimes you can truly tell the ones who need to hear it. Hey, I hope you have a good day. You know, I'm I'm very well known for being at Walmart and going, finding the register that has the, the most sour, the cashier that has the most sour look on their face. And I'll talk to them. And I'll just try to inject happiness or positivity into their life. And I don't know what's going on with them. But in a lot of cases, they'll start off kind of foul. And by the end of it, they have they're they're lighter. You can just tell they have a, a happier vibe to them. They're they're more positively energized. So that is you know that's one of my core values is just being friendly. I talk about in in other previous episodes. I've talked about being approachable, and and that that is one of the ways you do that. You you carry yourself in an approachable manner, meaning you don't have a sour puss look on your face. You're not all sluggish and and shoulders bowed, bowed up and just looking like you're hostile and, and want, want confrontation. You're not standing in a position of stress and like defense. You're standing there open. You're receptive to people. And that doesn't mean do it 24-7, 365, but there's a time and a place for it. So I try to be approachable and be friendly. And when I do interact with someone, 
even if I have something going on in my life, it's not fair for me to put my burden on others. For if I'm in a bad mood or if I'm in a, something's going on in my life, it's completely inappropriate for me to broadcast and project that onto them because they didn't do it. They're not the cause of it. 99% of the time, it's my own damn fault. And just like 99% of the time, if you're in a foul mood, it's your own damn fault. Whether you want to admit it or not, just because somebody may have pissed you off doesn't mean it's not your fault for letting them piss you off. Anyways, let me get back to the subject at hand of core values. So like I said, friends, being friendly is one of my core values. So before I dive in and talk about the rest of them, I want to just kind of touch with you on how to, how to identify your own core values. And that is essentially, there's a couple of ways you can go about it. One, you can sit there and just like I said, ask yourself, who, who am I? Who do I want to be? What characteristics do I want to embody? If I, in a perfect world... Here's ten, five to ten adjectives that somebody would use to describe me that, that would make me happy, that would bring a smile to my face, that would make me feel proud to be who I am. If, if somebody was to ask my mom, hey, hey, hey mom, who is, who is Travis? Just using descriptions, just give me adjectives, five to ten adjectives describing Travis. What would they be? And I would, I would write those down. Look, look up words. If you're, if you think that may be something appropriate for you, look it up. If you don't know the exact, excuse me, if you don't know the exact meaning of something, Google that shit. Right? It's not hard. We live in a technological age. You don't have to open the Webster Merriam-Webster dictionary. You can just op open your phone and just type in Google or ask Siri. Hey Siri, what does altruistic mean? Right? Things like that. I was, Okay, good, it didn't do it. I'm recording on my MacBook. I just wanted to make sure I didn't interrupt it. Anyways, um, that's things like that. That's what you can do. You can ask those questions. You can look it up, right? And then get 20 or 30 of them. Get a bunch of them. Give yourself a big pot to choose from because just because they're not necessarily your core values doesn't mean they're not something that you have hold in high esteem and that you, that you do view as a value that you embody, right? I'm talking specifically about the core 5 to 10 that you truly hope and want everyone to recognize you for right um, another thing you can do is you can ask people around you hey what are some of the values that you think i hold ask your significant other ask your closest friends and your the people who know you the most your friends and family members um you know again with us living in a technological age there's a lot of people who interact with others online be it on social media be it on games like through headset talking to people playing video games things like that whoever you spend the most time with like you know there's people that develop lifelong friendships playing video games i have i used to play this game on my phone called game of war right and i developed friendships with people all over the world and i haven't played that game in seven years i don't even know how long it's been many years but there's still four or five people that i talk to frequently a couple of times a year that one one is like a 65 year old lady that lives in arizona right i ha her name's barb she's great she's hilarious i helped her a lot in the game she enjoyed playing it and we developed a friendship right and i was blown away because i talked i was talking to her a couple years ago asking her how everything was going and she was like oh i just completed a marathon she was in her 60s and completed a marathon that's pretty damn impressive right um, there's a, a man named Dave that lives in the UK. I talk to him a few times a month. We're tagging each other in, in memes and pictures and things like that. Hey, saw this, made me think of you all the time. There's, there's a man that lives in, um, 
in Australia. I talk to him. I have a friend that's in Poland. I talk to him from time to time, right? And then there's four or five of them that live throughout the United States. But the point I'm making is those people know me pretty well, right? Now, they don't know me on a personal level to know like family details, but they know who I am based on the interactions that I had with them. So maybe you have a friend like that that you can talk to and just ask, hey, I'm trying to figure out what my core values are. And these are not conversations people have. I've never had a conversation with someone like this. I've, I figured it out because I really went introspective and I decided who I wanted to be, who I was going to be, and how I was going to go about doing it, right? Um, I wish I would have known there was other options besides just beating my head against the wall until I figured it out. Trial and error, trial and error. Nope, that's actually not me because I'm in this situation, I'm not anything like that. So I can't be fake. It's not about being the things that you think people want to hear. It's not about that at all. It's about being the, the, having the values that you truly embody and you want to embody. And if they're ones that you want to embody that you don't currently embody, you have to figure out how to work towards embodying them. And a lot of times it's in the definition. You know, being someone of integrity, that's having high moral grounds. That's no matter what the situation is, you're going to do the right thing. There are so many values that we hold that we don't even recognize. So that's, that's another way that you can go about doing that is asking others. You can look at people that you look up to or that you, that you think you may want to look to embody some of their characteristics and figure out which ones they have. You know, especially celebrities or people that are famous, like athletes, movie stars, musicians. Hell, at this point in time with social media, anyone at all. If there's someone, your neighbor, who you think's a good guy, a stand-up gentleman or a stand-up lady, you get on their social media and you can figure out, go ask them what they think their core values are, right? You can figure out through interviews and p- videos and things like that what these core values that people hold are and figure out how to embody them. That's, that's one of the other ways is you can, it's almost like the reporter method in taking time to study others and figure out how they handle themselves in certain ways and it's essentially what people do to establish success right people will say um you know if you want to be get the results this person has you have to take the actions they take which is very true very very true um and the same thing applies here if you want to embody some of the characteristics of a tony robbins or a whoever take your pick, then you have to look at their life and figure out how they embody. If you, if you want to be like Conor McGregor, there's plenty of interviews that tell you his core values and what matters to him. If, if you want to be like Albert Pujols, there's people who tell you that interviews where you can find his core values and what, how, how he handles himself in situations, right? So those are three things you can do. You can get introspective. You can write out a bunch of them and figure out which ones you want to embody the most and start working towards doing that. You can ask others what they think your core values are, which if they had to use five adjectives to describe you, what would they be? That's a great place to start. And it'll be fun for others. They'll be like, yeah, I got you. And they'll give them to you. And then just ask 15 people, 10 people, as many people as you can and find the commonalities. And odds are that's going to be the the most accurate ones, right? The ones that you embody the most, that you personify the most, that you bring to life and bring at the forefront the most. And then step three is take the reporter method and and study others and find out the characteristics that they embody that you want to embody and and go from there. So those are three things that you can do to 
start identifying your own core values, right? So with me doing this podcast, like I said, um, the, the goal is to just help make a difference in people's lives, to share as much information as I can in a way that is digestible and in a way that people can apply it um, to their lives, right? So the I want to share with you a few of my um, core values. So the first one, my core values are typically phrases that embody several values. So for example, the first one that I live by first and foremost is do what is right no matter the cost. All right, so that would in that would hold honesty, that would hold integrity, that would hold fairness, you know, that would hold compassion. So it doesn't matter the situation. I look at it as objectively as I can and say, okay, this is the right thing to do. Not not the thing that I want to do, because there's a lot of times where what I may want might not be the right situation. Not necessarily this is the easiest route to take. This is the most beneficial for me but the right thing based on what I believe, like my code of ethics, right? The, my core values, my code of ethics, how I live my life. Is it the right thing to do if I find a $100 bill on the ground to pick it up and put it in my pocket? If I see someone looking, coming, and then someone comes up to me, hey, man, I dropped a $100 bill. Did you happen to come across it? And then literally within seconds of me picking it up and putting it in my pocket? Is the right thing to me for me to do? Say no, I didn't. It would be yeah, I did. And even if it's not theirs, at least I know that I'm not taking something from someone that didn't belong to me. It can be. I'll give you an example. I was at Publix the other day, a couple weeks ago, and I was having conversation with the cashier, and she, we were just. I can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but we were just kind of having a fairly good deep conversation. Oddly enough, cashing out. That happens to me all the time. For some reason, I get into these deep philosophical conversations, and I absolutely love it. But anyways, we were at Publix. I was buying some steaks for dinner, and the girl we were talking, and she grabbed them, and she put them, both steaks, because I got two packs of them, she put them both in the bag and didn't scan either one of them. And she kept scanning, and I was, I at first, like, the first one I didn't, I wasn't paying attention, and I was like, maybe she scanned it, and I just didn't notice, but the second one I knew for sure she didn't scan. So she puts them in the bag and continues to scan, and I'm sitting there looking at her, and she's like, what? I was like, you know you didn't scan those steaks, right? And she stopped, and her eyes got real big, and she's like, oh my god, thank you so much. I didn't even realize I didn't scan them. We were in such a deep conversation, or so deep in conversation, I should say that she was about to give me $40 worth of steaks for free. But because I believe in doing what is right no matter the cost, in this case it cost me $40 to do the right thing because I could have very easily, and there was a time in my life when I 100% would have just not said a word and walked out of that store with a shit-eating grin on my face because I'm like, gotcha Publix, ha-ha, got me, got me those steaks for free, dinner's on you. But I don't live that way anymore. I don't take advantage of people. I don't take advantage of situations like that. So I told her, and I was like, hey, you know, this is, you didn't scan those. And she went and looked, and she was like, oh, my God, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, she. I don't know if she would have gotten in trouble or how that would have worked out. But regardless of that, I knew, I, didn't, I wouldn't have walked out of that store with a guilty conscience because I knew she didn't scan those stakes. And I made the decision to, to do the right thing and say, hey, you didn't scan them. I still need to pay for them, right? So that's a good example there. Uh, another example, I used to, uh, at the house I lived in 
many years ago, I would cut my grass and the neighbor to, if you're looking at my house to the left of me, was a sweet little lady, sweet old lady. She was certainly in her 80s, maybe even in her 90s. She would shuffle out to the mailbox every day and shuffle back. And, you know, she had children, but they didn't always come over and things like that. And she actually had someone that was like charging her, I don't know, 30 or 40 bucks a week to come and cut her grass. And I'm cutting my grass, and it, these aren't big yards. Like, we're talking maybe maybe a, an eighth of an acre, a sixth of an acre, something like that. And like, a small 15 minutes of my time to cut her grass, right? So, without asking, I just went over, and I cut her grass. And she came out with a $20 bill, and was like, here. Just waving it at me, trying to give it to me, and I refused it. And we went back and forth for five minutes. And she was like, no, you take my money. You cut my grass. And I'm like, no, ma'am, I, I didn't do it for money. I, and it's certainly not fair for me to take money from you after cutting your grass. I didn't ask you to pay me. Um, I'm doing this because your grass was growing high, and I noticed you hadn't had your grass cut in a while. Well, apparently the kid that was coming to cut her grass stopped coming for whatever reason, and she didn't really have any other route to take. Um, and sure, eventually one of her kids, who were adults who worked jobs, had had, had kids of their own, you know, they, they would have probably come over and cut the grass or had someone do it. But I did it. And I refused her money. And she's like, okay, fine. She goes inside and then she comes back out and she gives me a water. And she's like, at least take the water. I'm like, that's fair. You know what? I'll take the water. I, I broke a sweat. It's hot outside. I live in Florida. It's hot. I'll take the water. So that's another example of doing the right thing. And, like, it wouldn't have been me taking advantage of her because it was a trade. I, I did a service for her, and she would have paid me, but I didn't do it for the money. The right thing to do was just to cut the grass. You know, the, the right thing to do is to, if you see someone coming, hold the door open for them. The right thing to do is if you're working in a, a company and they want you to do something because it benefits the company, but it hurts the employee and the employee did nothing wrong is to stand your ground and fight it, to say, no, that's not something I'm willing to do. That violates my values. That puts me in a position where I, my professional requirements and obligations are interfering with my personal values, and I will not take those actions. And that's happened to me a lot. I was very well known for ruffling feathers. People, they would be like, Travis, you're impossible to work with. I'm not impossible to work with. In fact, I'm probably one of the best people you can ever work with because I stand up for my team. I refuse to allow someone to place blame and to attack and criticize and all of that. Like I would ha there would be people coming from other departments, managers and directors from other departments to ridicule my team and to say something to them and I would check them very quickly. I would be like you have absolutely no right to approach my team in any type of negative way. If they do something wrong, you come and talk to me. Period. You don't get to go to them and complain to them about what they're doing. That's not your role. I will never go gripe at one of your team members, and I expect the same in return. And at first, people were like, what the fuck? You, who do you think you are? Like, you know who I am? I don't care who you are. I don't care what three letters you have attached to your name tag. That doesn't matter to me. What matters is doing the right thing. And the right thing is not for you to ridicule my team, but it's for you to come and talk to me and let me address the issues as I see fit. You know, and they didn't necessarily like it. And my boss sure shit didn't like it. But my team respected me and appreciated it. And in fact, when I left, one of one of the, the biggest things that people said was, well, I hope whoever comes in after you 
has a backbone like you do and stands up for us and doesn't let us just get picked apart by every other department. Because I work in a hospital and it's a high stress situation or a high stress environment and people in there don't take responsibility. The, the departments that are doing the services are 17 patients behind. So they're two hours behind and they got people at a 10 o'clock appointment and it's one o'clock they're sitting there waiting and they're like, oh, give us 30 minutes. They don't come up and take ownership. They blame it on us. Although we didn't have anything to do with the scheduling or the booking or the, the staffing issues they have. Anyways, I'm getting on a bit of a tangent, but that's, that's my first value is my first core value. Do what is right no matter the cost. I've had many critical conversations where I piss family and friends off, piss people close to me off because I'm like, no, what you're doing is not right. I can't, I can't in good faith stand in your presence and allow you to do that to someone. I'm, I'm stopping. I am interfering with you doing that. All right. So the second one to move over from that one is to simply give your all and all you do. All right. Discipline equals freedom. Um, that is something that Jocko Wilnick says. Um, so I completely wholeheartedly agree with that. In giving your all and all you do, try your best. It also ties into honoring your word being someone who sticks to their commitments, right? Those are those are big factors as well. I don't care if I'm putting tire air in a tire, cutting grass, working a million dollar job, um, you know, working with my dad or helping my grandma plant flowers, whatever it may be. If whether I'm getting paid eight dollars an hour or eight thousand dollars an hour, I'm gonna give the same effort. Because I believe how you do anything is how you do everything. If you're a man and you can't lift up the toilet seat to pee and you pee on the toilet seat and you leave the pee sitting there, that says a lot about you. If, if you're or you pee around the toilet and you don't clean it up, if you're someone who just has dirt and, and dust and grime in different very locations of your house, and it's not about being a clean freak, it's about taking pride in your shit. It's about doing doing what's right when no one is looking. That that's that's who you are is do, doing what's right when no one is looking. That is what what you do when no one is looking determines who you are. It doesn't matter if I am having a conversation with my 4-year-old, I am or playing with him, I will give him the best ability I have to play. If we are playing hide and seek, I'm not just going to sit hide behind some pillows I'm going to go hide. I'm going to make him find me. If if we're playing tag and he's it, I'm going to run around and I'm going to exhaust him before he tags me, before I let him tag me. Obviously, he's four. And a, you can't, it's not the same as giving your effort against an adult or someone my age or whatever. But like, I'm the giving my all and all I do when I play with him, giving my all is making sure he's maximizing his fun. And when I recognize that, okay, I've been running around and he's been trying to tag me for four minutes now, five minutes now, he's a little tired, I need to let him tag me. you know. And then I'll run around for three or four minutes trying to tag him, and, and I play hard. I will, He'll be running, and I'll just dive as hard as I can and almost get him and just barely miss him intentionally, of course. But he loves it. It is such a thrill for him for me to barely miss tagging him. And I, I roll around and I, I run and jump and hide and all, all of that stuff. Like we have a great time when we play because I give, give him my all. 
If I'm spending time with my wife, guess what I'm doing? I'm spending time with my wife. I'm not on my phone. I'm not off in la-la land. If we're sitting down at dinner having a conversation, she has my undivided attention. I ask questions. I take genuine interest in what she is talking about. And I'm not perfect. There's times when I notice that I'm falling, I'm drifting off, but I quickly bring it back. Hey, no, 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 that's not your best. Your best is here. Your best is giving her your undivided attention. If you can't pay attention to your significant other, the person that you choose to spend your time with, your, especially your spouse, if, if this is someone you've decided to spend the rest of your life with and you can't give them your undivided attention a few hours a day or at least at dinner time or an hour a day, like, that's sad. That is, speaks volumes about you as, as a person. Like, that's, for lack of, that's really pathetic. If you're not capable of giving your undivided attention to someone that you care about more than anyone in the world, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you're messing up big time, buddy. And that goes for men and women. There's, it goes both ways. I, I remember I, I was in this relationship one time, and I've learned from a lot of my prior mistakes but I was in this relationship and I was sitting back when I was playing Game of War all the time. And I was, she was sitting on the couch next to me and like two hours had gone by and I'm just playing this game and, and a, a completely oblivious to my girlfriend at the time sitting next to me. And she gets mad and I'm like, what's the problem? Why are you mad at me? We're sitting here hanging out, spending time together. And I didn't realize it back then, but she's like, we're not spending time together. We're in the same room together. There's a difference. I'm like, no, there's not. But I grew and I realized, oh, shit, in order for me to be the best and to do all I can in giving my best in this situation, it requires me to not be on my phone. So in future relationships, guess what I would do? When I'm spending time with that person, I would keep my phone down. I wouldn't be on it. And you know what? It pays off greatly because my wife and I have an incredible relationship. We do not get bored. We do not run out of conversation. We, we can sit and talk for hours and barely scratch the surface of what we want to talk about. And it only brings us closer. You know, if, if I am training an employee at work, I'm not, I, it was hard. I hated training for the longest time because I'm like, this is so fucking monotonous and boring. And this is like, it's so easy. And I had to get out of the mindset of Travis, no shit, it's easy. You've been doing it for X number of years. You're an expert at this. They started two days ago, so they need to figure out the fucking process. It took me getting out of that mindset of why is this so hard to understand, you know, f to changing the mindset to they don't have a clue what they're doing. You don't expect someone who is a native speaker of Spanish to learn English overnight. You can't expect them to learn this process overnight. It's not fair. So I would give them my undivided attention. I would take notes. I used to have a notebook, a three-subject notebook, and every time I trained someone, I would just, you would think that I'm like, I'm judging them on every single thing they say because I'm taking notes and I'm and I'm learning how they do things, how they learn, how they work, how they how they interact with the patients, how how they their keystrokes are on the keyboard. What what processes do I need to help them with? What do they get on a natural level? And what are the things that we can shave off two or three seconds from each page to save two minutes of a, a, a registration, right? If there's ten pages and I'm saving three to 10 seconds a page, where a minute to a minute and a half, two minutes per patient saved. And over time, over an eight hour workday, we're talking significant time frame saved. I don't know the math off the top of my head. I used to have it 
where I'd bring it to my boss and be like, hey, look, here's why I deserve a raise, because I'm saving, I'm improving these metrics by doing this, this, and this. But anyways, giving your all in all you do, like, as as a manager, I would, until, until it broke me, until I was at a point where I could no longer give my all because it was depleting me personally, I was... 24-7 available, answering calls, responding to texts, doing everything. When it would get busy in one area, I would stop my managerial um, reports and stuff, and I would go and work with them, and then I would stay later or come in early the next day or work from home on my laptop or come in on the weekends and do all that stuff. And then it got to a point where I'm like, hey, I need a break. You know, I go to my boss and ask for the break and literally laughed in my face. So I just said, no, I'm going to I'm going to take the break whether you like it or not. Here's my letter of resignation. Anyways, you got to give your all in all you do. If you if you half-ass anything, you will half-ass everything. And I want to share a story real quick about half-assing. Um, first time I heard that phrase, I was probably um, fourth or fifth grade. My dad referred to some work I had done in the yard as half-ass. Um, we used to live in... Um, in this house that had a fairly wooded yard. Uh, there was a bunch of pine trees and things like that, and every time there was a heavy storm, the yard would get littered with limbs and sticks and stuff. And and one weekend, my dad was like, hey, actually, I came to him and asked him if I could go hang out with my buddy Zach, and he was like, well, go do this in the yard, and then afterwards you can. And he gave, my dad gives very, very specific detailed directions, so there's no room for confusion. That's one of the things I learned from him. Uh, say exactly what you mean, and when you're giving direction to someone, make sure there's no room for confusion. He wanted me to take all the sticks in the yard and put them in one pile in one location. Well, I did that, but it was a fairly big yard, so halfway across the yard, I'm like, man, he wants me to walk all the way across the yard with this wheelbarrow full of sticks every every time I load the wheelbarrow full of sticks to this pile back here, but there's a wood line right over here and it's a hell of a lot closer. And I mean, I could probably save 30 minutes of time doing it this way. My dad was inside. I wasn't worried about it. He wasn't paying no attention to me. As long as the sticks were up, who cared? Well, I spent like three hours getting all the sticks and crap like that up. And most of the time I was on that other side of the yard getting the sticks and I just dump them in the wood line. And I was, you know, as an eight or nine year old, you're smart. You're like, I'll just kind of spread them out so he won't recognize there's a pile of sticks in this wooded area. So I'm cool as a fan. I get get done. I put the wheelbarrow in the shed. I shut the shed and walk inside. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to shower and go over to Zach's now. I'm, I'm all done. And he was like, well, come here. Let, let, let me look and see. And we're looking out the window, and he's like, it looks good, Travis. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah, great. Awesome. And he's like, now I need you to go back out there and get all those sticks out of that fucking wood line. Maybe he didn't cuss at me. I don't remember. But get all those sticks out of the damn wood line that you put in there and put them where I fucking told you to. And again, maybe he didn't cuss. I don't remember. But I was like, what? What are you talking about? He was like, no, you don't do half-ass work at my house. We don't do half-ass around here. So go get those sticks out of the woods that you put in the woods and put them where I told you to. So needless to say, I did not get to hang out with Zach that day. And that was my first lesson in not doing things half-assed. He, he was, he let me, he, and the proverbial give them enough rope to hang themselves with. He gave me the free space, the time, and the unsupervised access to dump the things in that wood line, the sticks in that wood line. And he called me on it and he had me go get them out of the woods and put them where he told me to. 
So from then on out, I mean, truth be told, I thought I was getting better at getting around his rules and stuff, which I did to an extent. But ultimately, it boiled down to recognizing that if I just do the right thing and give my all in, in everything I'm doing when he tells me to the first time, I don't have to go back a second time. And what I learned is if I give my absolute best and it's not quite what he wants for good enough, he'll come out and help me. But if I'm half-assing, I'm on my own. So that was a lesson at an early age. And it took a long time for that to sink in. But looking back at it, looking back on it, I think about it and I laugh because it's it's almost comical how he gave me that lesson at eight or nine years old and it took me being 24 to 25 years old to recognize the value of that lesson. So anyways, uh, that kind of actually ties into the next thing and that the next value is improvement over perfection. And what I mean by that is we, we tend as a society tend to fixate on perfection or these things that we believe are perfect, what perfection is. And we always get stuck when it's not good enough. We never launch. It's like the failure to launch the Matthew McConaughey movie. Um, similar to that, it's the ready, aim, 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 never fire. And it, it looks like not not pursuing something, not making the post on social media because it's not perfect, not launching a business because your skills aren't perfect, not recording that content because your skills aren't perfect, not going to the gym because your body's not perfect, not asking that person out because you don't think that your your life is perfect enough for them to say yes, whatever it may be. So I developed this process or this thought process where I'm like, perfection, the pursuit of perfection is never ending. It, perfection is an impossible objective. You cannot, will not, have not ever seen, met, or accomplished perfection. It does not exist because there's always ways to improve, to get better, and to, to improve, right? So I decided one day that I was no longer going to chase perfection. Rather, I was going to chase improvement, and what that looks like to me is, you know, some people compare themselves to others. I compare myself to who I was yesterday. So if I'm doing this podcast, I'm not worried about what Joe Rogan's doing on his podcast or Rob Dial, who is someone who I've listened to his podcast all the time, the millionaire, um, excuse me, the mindset mentor. He has a great podcast and we talk about similar things, but he does his his way and I do mine my way. I'm, I'm not talking about the real AF podcast. I'm talking about how was episode 21 different from episode 20. And, and I would hope that you guys see the growth in me as, as someone who's doing these podcasts from listening from my first episode to now. The energy I bring, the, the conversation that I have, the, the topics that I talk about, the passion that I'm speaking with, the conviction. I hope you guys can, can feel that and hear that and you recognize that because, again, giving your all and all you do, I give my all in this podcast, but... But my ability to what my all looks like now is a hell of a lot better than what it looked like in episode one. And I'm going to continue to get better and get better. And here coming up, I'm going to have I have like three or four guests lined up and I've got a couple more that I'm trying to iron out some dates with um, where I'm going to actually 
have a learning curve because I've not interviewed people. So I'm going to have, and I don't want it to be an interview. I want to have a conversation about specific topics or certain topics and just go where the conversation goes. So the first interview, the first couple of those podcasts are going to be a little rough, I'm sure, but I'm going to get better at it. And eventually the goal is to have two a week, one where I'm talking with, like I, like I have been for the first 20 episodes, the 21 episodes, this one being 21, and then one, one episode a week where it's me with a guest talking about various topics and you know I'm really excited for that I've got some some very in very intelligent people lined up experts in their field and I'm excited to learn as people of different all different walks of life from different parts of the country I have people in other countries that I'm looking at getting on it just you know I'm, I'm super excited for all that and that happens because I'm giving my all and all I do and I seek improvement every day I gave up on perfection. One of the reasons that I was so scarce and sparse in my podcast at first is because I was trying to perfect it. I probably have 15 plus episodes that I have recorded that I've not launched or even that I recorded that I deleted because I thought it was shit. And then I realized it might not be the best it can be, but it's the best that I can do right now. And I just needed to put that out. And that doesn't mean half-ass. Again, I'm giving my all. I am sincere in my conversation with you guys. I Everything that I share are things that I have learned and applied to my life and it's helped me. Or that I've seen and talked to with others and it's helped them. Because there's, there's more than one way to accomplish the goal. 6 and 6 is 12, but so is 11 and 1 and 10 and 2 and 9 and 3 and 8 and 4 seven and five you know what i'm saying like there's more than one way to skin a cat if you will so that's that's what it's all about it's about improving that's that's one of the reasons i'm getting more comfortable having these podcasts behind the mic on camera doing these things i'm going to improve the quality of my videos because i'm going to add an intro and i'm going to do some editing and i'm going to put some graphics up there and and i'm going to get better at providing the sources from the comp the from the topics that i talk about where or the resources where if i say try this or go here and do that and i'm going to have a link available on the podcast page to do that that's what it's about but i've got to get better and I'm, I'm working in that direction every day. As long as I am better at a, a better podcaster today than I was yesterday or a better husband today than I was yesterday, that's the single most important thing in my life is being a great husband. A great husband closely followed neck and neck with a great father because I, I cannot fathom living a life of misery where I come home every day or I'm home every day and my wife and I don't have a good relationship because the reason that being a good husband to me is more important than being a good father, because if I am a good husband, by default, I will be a good father. Now, obviously, being a good husband has some things that don't have anything to do with being a good father, and vice versa, being a good father has things that have nothing to do with being a good husband. But, for example, for my daughter, if I treat my wife with love and respect and have compassion and great communication and conversation and all of that, by example, she will see and develop expectations on what she wants in a relationship. And the same with my stepson, with, with my son, Rylan. He will see, okay, this is how I treat someone I care about. This is how I talk. Regardless of what's going on at his father's house, I have no doubts that Rylan's father take, treats his, his lady great, right? That's, that's cool. That's fine. But it's not my business. It's not my concern. All I can control is how he sees me treat his mom. And if he understands that we treat mom with love and respect at all times, 
then he'll understand to treat all the women in his life with love and respect or all the people that he cares about with love and respect, right? It's about improvement. I, I ask myself, and I ask my wife, like, what can I do better? There's this chakra game that we play, and it's, you know, people hear chakra, and they're like, oh, woo, 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 whatever. But it's, it's about, it's basically, if you want to remove the spirituality of it, it is seven different areas of your life, and it has, it's these cards that have 20 or so questions, and they're very in-depth, intricate, in introspective questions where you ask things. For example, one of the questions is, what were we doing when you felt most connected to me? What can I do to help you feel more connected to me? Questions like that. And again, it covers seven different areas, and it is a game for adults, so there are some, some questions related to your sexual life and, and things of that nature. But you, if you don't have those conversations with your wife like, or your significant other, what do you do? Like, you're messing up. You've got to know if that's important to you. And it doesn't even just have to be with your significant other. You ask those questions to your boss, to your employees. If you're in a leadership position, you go to your team members and say, hey, what are some of the things that I can do to better serve you? How can I be a better leader? You go to your boss and say, what are some things that I can do to improve my results? What are some? How can I better serve you? Because you're serving at both, especially middle management's a bitch. It really sucks sometimes because you have people from the top put, putting pressure on you and you're carrying all the weight of the pressure they're putting on you and you're trying not to let it spill over onto your team and then the, your team's putting pressure on you because you have to do these silly things that your boss who's completely detached from the processes and doesn't know what the hell's going on is telling you to do because corporate wants it done. It can be very painstaking, but the least you can do is ask your team how you can better serve them. How... How can I communicate things to you in a way that are easily digestible, that make it not feel like I am just a burden to you, right? Go to your kids. If they're old enough to have that conversation, hey, what, what's something that we can do to, to become closer? Or if you have a teenager or someone that's a little bit older, 10, 11, 12, teenage area, ask them, hey, what's something that I do that upsets you and, and how can I do better at not doing it anymore? Like, we have to recognize children are their own people. Our kids are our, their own people. Now, it's our job to guide them and provide them and things like that, yes, but they're not your property. Your significant other is not your property. They're their own person, and you have to respect that. And one of the ways you do that is by seeking improvement in your relationship. Improvement over perfection all the time. And that, that ties into being empathetic. Um, you, you know, it ties into in having integrity it ties into being fair and being dependable and honoring your word and your commitments. All of those are core values as well. And then the last one that I'll, I touch on all the time is accountability. Being accountable, having your personal accountability. I'll, I'll stop at this one because I'm almost 50 minutes in already. Um, I'll probably do another episode or two talking about core values. But being accountable is if, if you say you're going to do something, someone can count on you to do it. If if I wake up in the morning, if I tell you that I'm going to be at this place at 6 o'clock in the morning and it's 6 o'clock and I'm not there, you can't count on me for that. You're going to call me and be like, yo, what's going on? And the reality is a lot of people won't answer that phone call and they'll text you later. Oh, sorry, I overslept, crazy night, whatever. I'll give you an example. 
one of my best friends. I love him to death. And, and if you're listening, bud, please, this is not shade on you, but you know I talk shit to you every time about this because it's just one of those things that we do. When I moved to Tallahassee, one of my best friends told me he was going to help me move. Um, I offered to pay and pay for his gas, whatever. Um, and we're all set up to go. And the morning I was going to get the U-Haul truck, I woke up to a text message from him. And that text message was sent about midnight, close 12.30 in the morning. And it said, hey man, can't, can't help you. I have to get my oil changed in my truck. And I was like, what the fuck, dude? What, you've, you, how long have you known you needed your oil change? But all I said to him was, oil change places open at 9. Can I expect you by noon? Because I was moving all the stuff in my house. And then I was going to my then girlfriend, going to her now wife, going to her house to load up her house as well. Thankfully, her brother was there to help with that. And at my house, my brothers were there to help me um, load stuff up. So we did have help loading. But when we got to Tallahassee, we had, I think it was the 36-foot U-Haul, the biggest ones they make, slap full. There was We couldn't have put a piece of paper in there. It was so full. And she and I unloaded it to the second floor all by ourselves. And he messaged me like two days later. And I love him to death, but like that's that's an, an example of how we and I've done that too. I'm not sitting here throwing shade or throwing rocks. I live in a glass house, you know what I'm saying? Like that's not what this is about. In fact, he's come through several times before and several times after. It was just that one particular time that at the twelve o'clock tick. It's comical now, but in the moment, I'm like, dude, that sucks. Like I could have paid someone to come and help me, but I was counting on you. You know, and, and like I said, I've been on the opposite side of that where I was supposed to help someone and I backed out. But that is no longer a way that I live and it's been many years since I've done that. It's being accountable. It looks like being accountable to yourself. If you set goals and t tell yourself you're going to do something, you follow through with it and do it. It is if, if your team member asks you to do something or asks you to teach them how to do something, you honor your commitment and you say, okay, at 3.30, be in my office you're in your office at 3.30 and you give them as much time as they need to get it done. They can count on you, right? It's if, if you need guidance and direction and someone gives you that guidance and direction, you take the actions that they suggest, they recommend, and they tell you to take. It can be a therapist, a coach, a boss, a, a trainer, whatever it may be. But if, like, let's say you want to be a better communicator, how do you do that? Well, here's three things you can do to be a better communicator. A, B, C, try them, and when that opportunity arises, you don't try them, then you're not accountable to yourself and you, you're not accountable to others. Like you're not accountable for others. You can't, if, if someone can't count on you to follow through with what they told you to do or what they've asked you to do, especially if it's to help you improve and you've gone to them in a, the capacity to get that guidance, then you're letting yourself down and you're never going to get that level of improvement that you're seeking. So... That would be the third one is, excuse me, the fourth one is just being accountable. That that means honor your words. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you're going to be somewhere, be there. If you commit to something, honor the commitment. I, I decided, hell, it's been seven years now, to join the Big Brothers Big Sisters program. And I joined that program and I got matched with Rashawn, my little brother. 
and we were matched for five years, four, four and a half years, and I made the decision to move to Tallahassee. Um, I was going to take a job in, in Tallahassee, so I was like, all right, I'm living two and a half hours away. But when I talked to the program, they were like, well, we can end the match. And without hesitation, I said, no. I'll drive into Pensacola one week in a month to ensure that I get to spend a few hours with them. I'll drive two and a half hours one way to honor my commitment of being a big brother role model to this kid. I couldn't fathom ending that match because I decided to move. That is exactly why he was in the program because he did not have those role models consistently in his life. He needed someone to show up for him even when it was inconvenient for them. And that's what honoring your commitments is. Will you show up to honor your commitments even when it's inconvenient? Even when it sucks? Even when it's a two and a half hour drive one way? That's when you, that's honoring your commitments. If you commit to improving your physical well-being, you honor those commitments by eating healthier, by drinking water, by eating or excuse me, by exercising, by running, by tracking and measuring your efforts and adjusting as needed. If you commit to a relationship, to a marriage, you honor it by being the best significant other you can be by doing everything you can to provide for that your family to to your love for your loved one by giving them everything they need in a relationship by learning how they need to be communicated with what is their love language what are the things that they value and even if it's in fucking inconvenient for you you get up and you stick to it and you honor those commitments you know how many times that i've gotten up with my wife before the sun comes up so we can watch the damn sunrise I like a nice sunrise, sure, but I don't really like it enough to get my ass out of bed on a consistent basis. And granted, we haven't done it in a little while, but I like it. And I, I care more about honoring my commitment to her, to doing things that make her happy with her, doing the things with her that make her happy, giving her that happiness, being a part of that happiness. Because it's not on me to make her happy. It's on me to make me happy. And you know what makes me happy? Seeing my wife fucking happy. I honor my commitment by being faithful. It, it kills me hearing people talk about how much they love their spouse and yet they're always fooling around and hanging out with other girls or other guys and, and, and being sleazeballs. It just, it just fucking kills me. If you're in an open relationship and you and your spouse have that agreement to where you do those things, that is fine. That is honoring your commitment. You are honoring the commitment of making them happy. If that is one of the things that make you happy and that's how y'all want to get down, then get down. But if you're one of those people that go behind your significant other's back to, to get a piece of action, I can't respect that. That's gross. Like, you can't do that. If, if you're a parent and you can't show up for your kids when they need you because you'd rather be out drinking or running around on town, even if you and the, the, the other parent are split up and you let's say you, your son plays baseball, and this is not at anyone because I don't know. I'm sure there's tons of people that may hear this that may think I'm talking about them or may think it relates to them, but it's not. I'm just using general terms, general examples. As a father, if your son plays baseball and he started playing baseball because you got him involved, but on his game night you're out in a bar with some chick instead of there with him, you're not honoring your commitment as a father. You're not leading by example. If you're a boss and you're committed 
to showing up for your team, you have to show up for your team even when it's inconvenient. You know what I'm saying? Like, honor your commitments. Be accountable. Have some self-respect and dignity. Those are core values. That's what those are. So, I'll take a step back real quick, catch my breath because I got a little a little heated there. But that's that's what it's about. If if you don't know how who you are as a person and how you want to live your life in situations, you're not going to have a consistent level of happiness in life, guys. That's that's I'm trying to share with you things that have helped make a difference in my life and in the lives of so many others. You have to know what your code of conduct is. If you don't know what your your values, your ethics, and your code of conduct are, like if you don't know what those things are, how can you ever expect to live the life that bring, makes you feel purpose-filled, that makes you satisfied? It's There's a reason that people are billionaires, but they feel hollow. There's a reason that people have families, but they're empty on the inside. It's because they're not honoring their values. They're, they don't even know what their values are. And in a lot of cases, it's not their fault because no one sat down and told them how to find them. No one sat down and talked to them about the importance of them. Guys, I am telling you, your, your core values are quite literally the roadmap to a happy, purpose-filled, fulfilled life. A life of satisfaction. Those are the things that you get when you have your core values. And plus, life's easier. And now the situations, it may be hard to honor your, your values in those situations, but it's easier because you know what they are. Like, an example, if I have a family member that is doing something wrong to someone else, and it may be uncomfortable for me to call them out on it, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to point out, I'm going to hold that mirror up. I'm going to point out and be like, no, like, you can't do that. Here's why. This is why it's wrong. I'm not going to start cussing and yelling and pissing off and all that shit. I'm not going to do that. But very calmly, calmly, I'm going to be like, hey, the actions you're taking are wrong. That's not okay. You can't do that, and here's why it's wrong. You're choosing to, to, a, to take a situation and manipulate it to your benefit, and it's harming someone else. It's hindering someone else. That's not okay. I can't, I can't, I can't sit here and watch you do that. Right? So anyways... I'm probably going to do one or two more. I really hope you guys find value in this. And again, please leave a review, like the like the uh, the posts that I make, share the podcast. If you find value in this, please share because I do not pay for advertisements. The only growth I get is from you guys sharing my my podcast and putting me in a position for success. So thank you all so much for your time. It's greatly appreciated. And as always, y'all take care.